Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I am your host tonight. I am Sam. You can find me on Twitter at SamanthaCP underscore. I am here on SDPN's Game Over Vancouver with two of my favorite people on hockey Twitter. Uh, we have friend of the show, Justin Morissette. You can follow him on Twitter at Justin Morris, M-O-R-I-S. And we have from one of my favorite uh subscription services the scorch stack uh we've got neil from the scorch stack with us neil justin i don't think anyone's happy about the results of this game i think justin and i wanted the canucks to lose and uh obviously neil wanted the flames to win so before we before we start i almost forgot i have to shout out our sponsor um now i have to pull up the ad read this is like (laughs) glorious you mean this doesn't happen just off the top of your head? No, I I, ha- I do not, in fact, memorize the copy, mm. although maybe I you should. Don't, you don't have products you're just really excited to tell Neil and I all about right now? Oh. I, I love products. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to hear about this. <laughs> all right. Sports betting. Everybody loves it. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you're so much about it these days. I'm surprised <laughs> that that was not a topic ready to go off the top of your head. Uh, okay, get in on the action and make your bet with Sports Interaction. Every hit, every shot, every goal from all your favorite teams and players. Uh, with competitive odds, the best in live and play, and more ways than ever to get into the game. Like Minute Madness, our exclusive game with so many opportunities to win by the minute. Download the app in Ontario, use the QR code you see at the bottom of the screen, or head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Um, well, if I actually bet on sports, which I don't, um, I would have bet on the exact result tonight, which was the Canucks winning in a shootout 3-2 over the Flames, because these are two teams that love to make their fan bases miserable. It, it felt pretty predetermined going into this, didn't it? Yeah. Just uh, the most inevitable result with the longest possible time to take to get there. What more could you ask for? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the Flames were taking on a team that they should beat, which, as we know, for this Calgary team over the last two months, or really, really, I think we could probably say the entire season. Does that feel fair? I feel like that's fair. It's Yeah. Uh, yeah, taking on a team they should beat, which means, you know, that the Flames are going to lose. And I'm so happy to be here, Sam, on a night where I'm joined by a fellow member of the Flames media sphere, just like myself, because, of course, you can hear me uh, Monday to Friday covering the Flames on uh, City News 660 in Calgary. And uh, it devastating defeat for my Flames this evening. Uh, you know, like, it, this has been a lot of fun to follow. Even, even as someone who, you know, I'm just joking. I'm based in Vancouver. I follow the Canucks on a more regular basis. But I do have to talk about the Flames every day. And so it's been great that they are, are something to talk about because... The Canucks aren't that, really, and haven't been for the majority of this season, right? So, uh, it's, it's, I wanted two things out of today's games, and I watched both of them in full front to back. Uh, I wanted Nashville to beat Winnipeg, and I wanted the Flames to beat the Canucks, and unfortunately, neither of those things happened, so. Maybe you should have wished for the opposite thing. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to blame this on you. Um, well, what I should have done is take the betting advice from the ad that we heard earlier. <laughs> bet on the results that I didn't want so that no matter what, what happened, I would have come out happy, right? That's what I should have That's wanted. That's what sports betting is for, making yourself feel better about not getting the results you want. I love losing money on sports betting. It's the best. 
Um, if you're just joining us, the Canucks win 3-2 in a shootout. Loser points all around. Uh, Elias Pettersson, 99 points on the season. Thatcher Demko had 43 saves tonight. Flames got goalied. That's what, what, again, what is Thatcher Demko's problem? What? Uh, what well, Thatcher Demko's problem was that he had a real bad first half of the season and um, exposed the roster construction for what it is, which is very, 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 very poor. But now has, since coming back from his injury a second time, has returned to form. And now everyone thinks the Canucks are like on a run and actually good. But no, it's actually just Thatcher Demko is back. I'm also willing to believe, though, that he wasn't healthy at the beginning of the year, right? Like, that was not... No, he absolutely ...where you sue, and when he... Like, he had a couple games where he looked about himself. In fact, I think I came on the show, Sam, like, way back in November after he had Demcoed a few teams and was like, I think this team's starting to turn the corner here. (laughs) And then he he left for four months, literally, like, the very (laughs) next day, I'm pretty sure. And no, you're right. They did not turn the corner. It was just that... This team, if it's going to be good, relies on elite goaltending. And I think it's tough because, you know, the Flames sort of also rely on Jacob Markstrom to some extent. They have a much better roster and defense uh, from one to six built in front of him. Uh, But I think both teams have clearly been let down by their goaltending to certain extents over the course of this season. And uh, unfortunately, the letdown that the Canucks have felt from Demko of late is that he's come back and been great and pulled them out of lottery contention at a time when we really should have just pulled the shoot on this season entirely and, and taken our lumps and walked away with a high pick at the end of the day. Cody Sievertson is in the chat. And the last time I had him on, I asked him what it would take for him to believe the Canucks were truly tanking. And that was this is when they were still like bottom five. And it was before Demko came back. And Cody's response was, if they shut down Demko for the rest of the season, I will believe it. And that was at the point where I was like, yeah, but they're playing Riley Stillman, like leading ice time. Like surely Rick Tockett understands the assignment. No, Cody was right. They didn't shut down Demko. They were... I don't know what they were doing. I don't still don't know what they're doing. Well, it, doesn't it feel like the number one important thing to this team as far as the product that they're icing on a nightly basis is some sort of sales pitch for season ticket holders who are probably thinking about not renewing at the moment and are looking at what the team is doing in meaningless games against opponents who are largely not taking them seriously and starting backup goalies and that sort of thing. And the team is like, building this up like hey look this is Quinn Hughes playing 30 minutes a night Thatcher Demko making 40 stops so on etc this is what you can expect from this team again uh we've seen this movie before though you know uh not just like first time just a plea to like the dumbest people in the city is that is that what that is because isn't that how it's been for the past eight or nine years now it's you know how how many more times did the do they think the fans are going to believe that, oh, next year, all these players, that's the year we're going to put together. So you should, like, come back. Because no, that's, like, are they going to do it next year? No, they're, they're not going to do it next year. <laughs> and it's so much more improbable this time around because, like, at least in the past, when you're a losing team down the stretch and you're debuting your NCAA signings, which is, like, what the end of the year is when you're in the bottom 10 pretty much on an annual basis this time around like at least before when this team 
had not given up first round picks to sell off its costly contracts or, you know, make stupid moves like acquire Oliver Ekman Larson or those sorts of things. When they had picks, they could at least be like, here's four games of Brock Besser. Doesn't he look terribly exciting? Here's 10 he games does. He of has the Quinn same Hughes. number of points as Jonathan Huberto. Here's, here's 10 games of Quinn Hughes. Doesn't he look like he'll be incredible? Yes, yes, yes. We're not even at the Adam Gaudet level anymore. We are, here's Oof. Akito Hirose, who looks like uh, he could be something, certainly. Uh, I think I saw like 15 different tweets the other night that like, he looks like there's something here. Sure. And maybe there is. And McWard scored the opening goal tonight and he was yeah. all right as well. But like, how many times have we seen these guys turn out to be Evan Oberg? More often than they are Chris Tanev or Troy Stetcher, who, by the way, are both going to miss the playoffs probably on the Flames this year. I don't know who those guys are. Sorry, that, that guy's <laughs> that guy's name was Cole McWard. Did I get that right on that yes. first goal? Yeah. yeah. Is that not the most NHL thing that, like, the witness protection program has to place a guy somewhere and the first thing they think of is the Vancouver Canucks? That makes perfect sense. And you know what? I think I can reveal this talking to... A uh, friend of the show, J.D. Burke, earlier, he, he's, of course, obviously with Elite, Also in the Witness Protection Prospects. Program. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but they do, like, a preview of every player. Every, like, every player with even, like, a 3% chance of coming out of the college ranks and signing with an NHL team. And this is based on talking to all kinds of scouts, talking to all kinds of teams, so on, etc. They never, he said they never even once considered putting McWard on their list. It's because he doesn't exist. I don't know. <laughs> It's like a smoke and mirror. Like when the Sedines played, I always thought the Sedines were secretly one guy and they just had some sort of elaborate mirror trick. Team. Yeah. Like, so I kind of think this is the same thing. Like they have the technology <laughs> left over somewhere in the arena and they're just like, uh, Cole McWard, that's a name, right? And then, but, but like if you aren't, if you're not playing Quinn Hughes 30 minutes a night right now, if you're not doing everything you can to get Elias Patterson over the century mark right now, that is the only hope that you have to sell. And look, Hirose has been a wonderful story over the course of the last week. I wouldn't say anything to the contrary, but you also have to recognize how low grade a victory it is to get a guy out of the NCAA rankings who could be a number six defenseman for you. Like, if that is what we're celebrating when this team is so far away from being a, a playoff team, never mind a contender, we're just completely hopeless in this city, basically. Yeah, you're talking about a guy that's going to end up on the Arizona Coyotes in like two years. <laughs> and I, I say this because the Flames already traded their exact version of that to the Coyotes this year. And, and Connor Mackey, it was the exact same thing. Just a guy that came out of the NCAA, could skate a little bit, and then that was like enough of a win. So it, it feels like the same thing, except, you know, there's more expectations on Vancouver when, you know, what's the alternative? Tyler Myers the corpse of OEL. I don't know. Like you got to no, find someone else. Right? Have been, so. The Canucks have been this good in March because OEL has been injured. Right. But like, yeah, unless he mind. gets, but well, but unless he gets bought out or they, he becomes allergic to his equipment, like Marion Hosa or whatever. <laughs> like he's not, what are they going to do with him next year? They're just going to go back to being bad. Like, are we, are we under some illusion that they're, somebody's going to come in. I don't even know what the points pace is, but we're going to get this year's version of their 107 point pace team oh, under yeah. Bruce Boudreaux. Wasn't well, this like the, the talk story? Isn't it the exact same story as the Boudreaux story last year? Yes. No, no one's, no yes. one's really saying it. Not that yes. I've seen. 
No, exactly. It's literally the exact same dangled stake in front of you it's the called, second year in a row. It's called new coach bump plus really weak schedule plus Thatcher Demko magically returning to form. Mm-hmm. So they're going to bot like, so is that the plan then to bottom out next year with OEL and get the dude, get the draft see... lottery of the year after Connor Bedard? Is that... Tyler Myers was getting walked by Milan Lucic tonight. Like, <laughs> well, you can't compete with that kind of speed. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, he's absolutely done. He can't play either. Like, even if you could get off of OEL, you still have 6 million tied up in Myers for another season after this. Like it's, I don't know what kind of maneuvering they can do to get out of their poison pills. They've already made the biggest mistakes possible. And the most difficult thing is, like, even if you wanted to see the vision of what, like, the Jim Benning era group was doing, the the design that they had, the criticism of that that construction was that, like, as this team comes together, the best they can be is basically what the Flames or Jets or Predators are right now. A team that is, like, not good enough to be a playoff team, but not bad enough to be in the mix to get a pick that will make a difference for their future, right? And what has been really pathetic to watch over the last several years is that, like, they they couldn't even be that. Like, I don't... I've said this before, but, like, what I see from the Canucks for the last few years is... I think they're the Jay Feaster Flames. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely agree with that. And that's like, it just, it kills me slowly inside every day. Oh, yeah, that's going to happen. Get used to that. Yeah. At least yeah. he already got rid of John Weisbrod. That was that was a yeah, big part of the Jay Feaster Flames. That's true. You, you know what? There there was, there were a couple of good storylines tonight. Um, Elias Pettersson's at 99 points. I fully expect him to break 100 probably it, by by a few points at least considering talk about a dominant goal too like there was no doubt the second that he got that puck that that goal was go- that puck was going in like he was he wanted to score he was going to score there's nothing going to stop him I, yeah. I i was very impressed i haven't watched a lot of canucks this year obviously but like and i know he's been great but like that was that felt like his entire season in one play yeah pretty much yeah what a player if if they were if they had to win tonight, I'm just disappointed that they couldn't do it off like a Pedersen goal in that's overtime. What I, that's what I wanted. Point in the final play, right? Yeah. Like after that, like back and forth stretch in overtime, which was actually exciting. And overtime was riveting. crazy. Overtime that was, was the like, greatest fantastic. overtime I've ever seen. That like that, name that was the greatest five minutes of Canucks hockey all season. <laughs> I so I'm old enough to remember this. It's not the same stakes, obviously, but I was around in 1994. And that Demko save that uh, he made off Kadri at the end, it was like carbon copy of um, Kirk McLean. Yeah. Off whoever that was, I can't remember, but like. Yeah. I had that same vision, and I was like, okay, well, they're losing this game now. <laughs> and they did. Okay. Um, Canucks win 3 2. Exciting no overtime. Uh, Demko, Demko gives them the win. We're going to spend a few minutes talking about. What is going on with the Calgary Flames, Neil? Uh, well, you just saw it. That was, uh, again, just uh, if you want to dissect their entire season, just boil it down into one moment. It was this game. It was uh, a game that they were in the entire time, uh, but should have dominated, should have won yeah. against a team that had no business being in it at all. And, you know, 
whether it's the Vancouver Canucks, you can you can call them Vancouver, you can call them Chicago, you can call them Arizona, Anaheim. They've lost to all these teams this year. Uh, and, I mean, if you're going to lose to, like, all the bottom feeders in the league, it doesn't really matter how you do against, uh, you know, all the other top teams. Because they had actually a decent record against – felt like a decent record against the top teams. I don't have any numbers in front of me, but it's uh, just – a little death every night when you can't take care of your business in like the easiest way possible. Right. So, um, yeah, you, it's, it's been a mystery. I mean, goaltending obviously has not been bad uh, or not been good. Sorry. Uh, whether it's been Markstrom or Dan Vladar, they've, they've had stretches, but for the most part, I've been pretty disappointing, but you know, um, I just think they did a great job. It seemed like they did a great job replacing Johnny Gaudreau and, and Matthew Kachuk by getting, Nazem Kadri and getting Jonathan Huberto. Kadri's been great. Huberto, you know, tough year. Yeah. But I think Matthew Kachuk is just the the straw that serves the drink because I think he him more than anything is like the reason why their fortunes are not what it was last year. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I will go out and admit that on on one of the first episodes of Zone Time earlier this season, I think Tic Tac Tomar predicted that <laughs> he predicted that the Cup final would be the Leafs and the Flames, and oh, I got, I I got real swept up in it, and like, I didn't quite say that would be the final, but I did say that I thought the Flames would be very good this year, and that was when I think the Dubé, Kadri, can't you remember who else was on it, line, like, looked, Manjapane looked really good, and I had high hopes, and none of that has really materialized. Omar, Omar's a Leafs fan, right? Yeah. And he actually predicted the Leafs getting out of the first round? Oh yeah, and I've, we've got the video Oof. clip. <laughs> We're just saving that one. Okay, it's just that's bold. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, Huberto, I think, has been a big surprise, and not in a good way. Obviously, yeah. like I didn't think he was going to replicate what he did last year, but I, I thought he would be close. Um, you know, everyone's taken a step. Back. The Flames rocked last year. There's no way around it, right? Like the top line: Gaudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk. All of them got 40 goals, and that was because they all fed off each other so perfectly that you just couldn't stop them, right? They were just too dominant. And then you take two of those ingredients away. And like, they talked about today, like, Lindholm's got, like, 21 less goals this year than he got last year. And, I mean, you know, that's a, a bit of a, a reductive stat, but it does kind of tell the story, too. Like, you, you have 80 goals just gone from your lineup. Like, that's going <laughs> to play a big difference, right? So uh, that and the goaltending... You know, it's uh, they weren't injured too badly this year. Not having um, Oliver Shillington was a big deal. They never quite really had like the bottom of their their uh, bottom six kind of sorted out. Chris Tanev got hurt a bunch this year too, so a bit of disarray, but not enough to be like this team is where they are now, like yeah. on the on the verge of missing the playoffs. So I don't know. It's uh, there's lots to talk about Daryl Sutter and and him maybe not having the room the way he used to. There's probably something to that. I think Daryl Sutter is an excellent coach. Uh, I think what he does is more akin to what he did last year than what he did this year. But I do also remember that story in L.A. when he was on the way out where they all locked him out of the room after the With season the laundry ended. Bins. Yeah, that's hilarious, right? <laughs> it's it's perfect. Can you imagine Daryl Sutter and his like Muppet face just like sitting outside not knowing what to do. Just like the door, he keeps checking the door and it's not open. I, I can't think of a fun year to mention that. And I don't know, maybe that happens this year. It, uh, I don't, I don't feel like he doesn't have the room. Like I, there's a lot of talk about that. I guess that just happens when your team is losing. But yeah, um, 
I don't it, I don't have that impression that that's actually the case, but I think he's kind of on his way out one way or another. Do you think he's like the wrong wrong coaching style for the way this team is made up now? I think it's I've heard stories. I don't I I'm not an insider and I don't really have any inside sources, so I can't ever kind of confirm this, but like I think he's at odds with the kind of team that Brad Tree living the general manager has tried to build. I think he wants to have more of like the the younger guys coming up through the minors be integrated into this into the system and we know daryl sutter he loves his he loves his veterans right he's never gonna not play them out on each each trevor lewis is i mean allegedly a hockey player and he never misses a game like it's it's just never like nick ritchie i saw him today and like like every game he's in i keep forgetting he's on the team and they traded him for his brother who he is objectively better than and i still can't remember him and it's just because he's just sort of the the kind of Daryl Sutter player that just thrives doing nothing really, right? So there's there's not a lot of I mean, I've been calling for them to call up and play regularly Matthew Phillips all year. That's a personal project of mine. I've been watching him because I live in Victoria. I watched him uh, his entire career there. I thought he was great. Uh, Jacob Pelche got called up this year and there was a lot of talk about how he couldn't really crack the lineup. And then he did for a little bit and he was good. And then all of a sudden he wasn't again, right? So I don't know what it takes. Uh, he, you have to be a certain kind of player to to make it under Daryl's system, and it's uh, it's you know he's got a lot of uh, detractors that say that he doesn't like skilled players, which is not true. He he loved Johnny Gaudreau. He loved Matthew Kachuk. Just guys with skill for days, right? So yeah. I I don't know what it is. You just have to have been around for more than than three seasons to to stick, I guess. Sean in the chat says, it turns out that when a team trades Matt Kachuk for a four that combines Brock Besser's production with JT Miller's contract, it's a problem. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I I don't put a lot of stock into uh, a player taking uh, a nosedive after signing that big contract, but like, I wonder what would have happened if uh, if he hadn't signed right away. Uh, I thought Mackenzie Wiegers had a pretty good season and he also yeah. signed that kind of contract, but he started off a little slow and it was sort of like, uh-oh, what's what's going on here right but uh i don't know i i don't even think that like i feel if you take this season and you just kick it over one year and we do it all over again i don't think hubertos is gonna gonna be this bad so my it's just one of those years sometimes uh you know i saw them say that austin matthews is like had a huge dip in production this year as well right so it could happen to anybody this is true is, is this a disappointing enough season though uh, in Calgary that like at least one head needs to roll at the end of this year do you feel or is it just a uh, chalk it up to everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for us and let's roll the dice again next year before we do anything uh, rash here it seemed like I don't there's been talk that Daryl Sutter was gonna kind of slowly step out and let someone else take the, st- the spotlight uh, which is always a dangerous proposition because usually when he does that it ends up getting him like a bigger role and more of a personnel decision kind of thing and that's we've lived through that before and that's a nightmare and, yeah based on everything you just said the players that he doesn't like if he has the capacity to just deal them away that's probably bad news exactly. for the future of the franchise so this is daryl's like second run through calgary and like the first one uh, much like this one, I thought like he was an incredible coach. I think he's a terrific coach. Like there's no getting around it. He's he's a good coach. But then they, he became the general manager last time, and that he can't do. That he runs into problems again. Like you're saying, he loves his his veteran players. He loves trading for Freddie Modine at the trade deadline. Uh, so 
I don't want to see that. that. Can he yeah. still do that? He, he'll find a way. He traded for... Uh, he... I can't remember how it worked out. There was one year he traded Ole Jokinen at the deadline. <laughs> but one, yeah. he still played a game before he got moved over to those the Rangers, I think. And I don't still know how that was possible, but it happened. And then they it was like they ran into that situation where they had to uh like play a game like a forward short because they would have been over the cap. Just things like that, right? He's just a terrible GM. So I do remember that very well, yes. So if he steps away from being the coach, I do worry a little bit. Uh, not in the sense that they would fire Brad Tree Living. He's that guy seems to find a way to save his job every year. I don't even think he's been that bad, but the results do kind of speak for themselves. It's a lot of early exits, right? So well, it seems he's like been doing it. So he's been here since like 2014, I think. And then if you haven't really shown the results in that kind of time, like that's a lot of tenure for a guy. That I mean, I know I know who I'm talking to, but it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's. You know, if, in in most cases, that if, if you don't have any results by that time, you're kind of shown the door. So, if there's a stylistic clash going on though between the two of them in terms of players they like and the kind of roster they'd like to be icing, I wonder if that translates into a kind of like off ice power struggle. If you're thinking that you know Daryl could potentially be GM again, if that plays out behind the scenes here this summer, there's a lot of things you hear around here, and it's I don't know I don't know how much of it I believe. Uh, you know, we hear that ownership loves Daryl. So if there was that kind of power struggle, they might side with him. And I don't know if I believe that. It's a, a largely the same people that were owning the team the last time he was here. So I don't, I don't know if they want to go through that again. But it's uh, he. I don't know. I don't know what to think. <laughs> it's 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 a weird year because I think the expectations kind of roller coastered the entire time, and I'm not really sure where they landed. So. I, well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. it wasn't just Sam and Omar expecting the, the Flames <laughs> to be heavy contenders this year, right? Like, this team was expected to be kind of that number one or at least be in the top tier of the conference, and it certainly did not work out that way. I sure thought they were going to be. It, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't expect Seattle to be the team that they were this year. I don't think anybody did. Thomas uh, Trance might beg to differ, but he might be uh, the only one. I can't argue with Trance. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people try yeah i just don't have it. you know i'm already tired i don't i don't have yeah. that kind of energy for the rest of the day so well speaking of people that uh the canucks fans get extremely mad at uh <laughs> is that the perfect segue until that, where we want to go next that is this in guy, fact the perfect segue this um, guy should be in radio yeah it's almost it's almost like he does this for a living <laughs> sometimes <laughs> um if you're if you're in the chat um Go follow Justin and follow Neil on Twitter at just at Justin Morris at It Looks Real. Go follow the Scorch Stack. It's glorious Flames content. Uh, Flames lose to the Canucks tonight, three two. And yet, despite the Canucks doing their best to play spoiler to the Flames, the dominant storyline for everyone is Bo Horvat speaking to Isles fans. Uh, post game it it got it got like airtime in the connects intermission um I had a in a really the, weird way very too. weird way that was the most bizarre analysis of that uh i was very flummoxed by that whole thing there was, seemed to be like no segue into it either, the, right? yeah it was, it was just, just like suddenly there but if you're like the only person who hasn't seen it essentially he was asked like what was what's it been like 
playing in front of Isles fans and what's the arena been like in this playoff push? And he said, better than Vancouver, that's for sure. And uh, there are a lot of people really, really, really mad about this, calling him classless, saying that uh, it was unnecessary, saying it was, you know, there, there are like people going on rants on Twitter about this. Well, even that was the analysis on Hockey Night in Canada. Ron McLean being like, oh, oh, you hate to see that from one of the good guys in the game. He's so, and we know that the people of Vancouver are so wonderful as well. You know, he's just trying to appease everyone. Ron McLean's just trying to make everyone forget about the time that he uh, said Stefan Auger was right about Alex Burroughs. That's what Ron McLean's doing. Sure, yeah, but he's trying to appease everyone here, and I don't think... I don't think anyone should be upset as a Canucks fan with what Bo said, because what he basically said was not Rogers arena has been quiet for my entire career, which even if he did say that it was, and that is a true statement as well. uh, What he's saying is that he didn't get to be involved in any playoff pushes over the course of his entire career, which is true. He wasted the bulk of his prime playing for teams constructed by Jim Benning. That is what (laughs) he's saying is the problem. Not that, you know, when I was in Vancouver, the fans sat on their seats every time we were in a playoff push. When you were in a playoff push is the operative construct of that sentence. Like, there's nothing. He didn't get to do that here, ever. Like, how you can take this as a slight against the fan base, I feel like you have to be working to be aggrieved by it and also eager to paint this guy who's now out the door as a villain. And I do hate that tendency within sports fandom as a whole, but it certainly seems to be prevalent in Vancouver as well, where, uh, you know, the people who are so, so strong and adamant about how you got to bleed blue and believe in the boys no matter what they do, well, as soon as they don't play here anymore, it's really, oh, do we have a low opinion of those guys in the end after all, huh? Like, uh, Bo Horvat deserved better than what he got over the course of his career from this team in terms of the teams that they iced around him. And if he wants to be salty about that or throw some shade i fully welcome it the nhl needs more of this and being upset about it or acting like he's been classless shut up shut up i am begging you please i mean With that, i see the floor i don't actually care if people are mad about it i think you know part of part of the entertainment value from a player show making those kinds of comments is getting people really upset so i'm here for it but the people who are like he was a terrible captain. He should have never been captain. I always thought that he's classless. Like those are the comments where I'm like, I mean, first of all, classless comments, like that's. I can't believe we're still using that. Yeah. I can't believe we're still using classless in this day and age. Um, And secondly, like people, people who say he shouldn't have been captain were absolutely salivating over him being handpicked by the Sedins to become captain. Like, Unless you're going to go up to Daniel and Henrik and be like, you picked the wrong guy, you trained him wrong. Like, that's a stupid comment to make at this point. I think Yeah, why, that... why not lead into that? Like, all these people that are, you know, moth to a flame, why not just keep going? Expound, expound. Like, start going after the Sedins. It's their fault, isn't it? Like, who who made him captain? Like, who trained him? Like, if that's if that's your train of thought, that's... That's where you're going. Arash Mamarzadeh, also a friend of the show, says, Sorry, Justin, but I have to take Bo Horvat's comments today as a direct attack on all of my immediate family, as well as letting my dog out of the yard. Yeah, it's true. It's, uh, he he went into each and every one of your homes and spit in your face and smiled and laughed. And then you just had to sit there and take it. 
if he wants to be upset that his career has been wasted playing for awful teams that didn't make the playoffs, that is a completely normal thing to be upset about. And you know whose fault that is? It's not mine. It's not yours. Certainly none of the people in the fan base have to bear that responsibility. Uh, some GMs, some AGMs, and an owner have to wear that. And that are those are the people uh, that Bo Horvat was firing shots at. Nobody should be jumping in front of those guys to take any bullets is all I'm saying. I also think the, other, the only other way I think you could look at that comment was like he was specifically asked about the arena. And I think it's like uncontroversial that Rogers Arena is super corporate and super quiet. Like the only person in there who's regularly loud is Crazy Pete and it's because he's like annoying. And like you can't have you can't have a raucous arena when your team sucks and you're still selling tickets at over a hundred dollars. Like that's this is what happens. This is this is the type of arena they've built. I don't see why anyone's getting mad about it. We all complain about how quiet it is all during the season. And the second he's like, yeah, UBS is louder because Isles fans are crazy. Everyone's like, oh, like, this is an insult. It's like, no, it is quiet. Like, you you want him to not have that comment? Show up to the game and make some noise. Like, actually make some noise. And try, also like- well, But don't get kicked out by, by arena security because they do that if you get too loud. It's funny to hear Neil talk about the feeling of watching this Flames team down the stretch as a Calgary fan who has watched Calgary this whole time, though, right? Because for me, as someone who works in radio and every morning it's my job from 5 a.m. to noon to cover the Canucks and Flames on a daily basis, I am getting such a thrill out of covering this Flames team that improbably is staying in the mix down the stretch here, right? Like, what do I have to talk about on the Canucks? I mean, kind of a lot because this team is great at manufacturing drama on a near daily basis. Like there's never a lack of things to talk about, but they're not like enticing, exciting things. The fact that the flames, even despite the fact that they have been in the wildcard mix for six weeks, but never actually held the spot one single time this entire time in this race is still for me as someone who wants something juicy to cover on a daily basis, this like incredible thrill and that is what Bo Horvat is criticizing, right? The fact that that is such a low bar. You don't have to be the best team in hockey. You just need to be the 10th place team in the conference, the Nashville Predators. And Vancouver, as a fan base, has not even got to experience that really over the last decade. I think about when I was a 15-year-old kid waking up every morning before going to school, opening up the back page of the province, and not just reading the articles, but taking a laser focus on the standings, the scoring race, and, like, Vancouver and the Vancouver players, they'd all be in bold, right? Like, I was intently following how many games are left in the season, what's going on on the out-of-town scoreboard. If you're a Calgary fan, you've gotten to do that for the last two months. If you're a Vancouver fan, when is the last time you've been able to do any of those things? any of them and that's not asking a lot that is such a low bar and Bo is right to be mad about it we all should be mad about it Bo's going on this run right now with the New York Islanders like do you know how bad you have to be that you can't live up to the lofty ordeals of the New York Islanders (laughs) I think Pete Davidson might play for that team like that's like the kind of team they have over there they have Matt Barzell a bunch of guys that I think all they do is fight and yet they're in a playoff push 
I, it makes no sense to me, but like it's they're in the mix, right? And like it's a team know, that traded like, Devon Taves for two seconds, and they're still yeah. in the mix. I don't know, so I don't know what they're doing over there. It makes no sense to me, but like you know, it's it's funny listening to Justin talk about this from like a Flames fan perspective because this has been atrocious, right? Like they're probably going to miss the playoffs now, and it's like such a it's all just a matter of perspective, right? Like this has been a, a massively disappointing systems uh, season for the Flames. Uh, but again, if you're looking at it from the outside, from a Vancouver's perspective, where it's like we would kill for this. I'm looking at four of my boys, right? I'm looking at Jacob Markstrom, Tyler Toffoli, Troy Stetcher, and Chris Tanev. Tanev's not always playing necessarily, and Markstrom's not always good when he is. But I'm looking at four guys I would love to see make the playoffs, and you know it ultimately is not going to happen but heck what a thing to follow it was for the last however long it's lasted which is probably way longer than it should have it speaks more to how terrible the winnipeg jets have been than how good the canucks have been really right the west is making it interesting for everybody winnipeg though is exactly what like the high-end version of the canucks is right if connor hellebuck isn't playing well that team stinks if he's playing great they're incredible does that sound familiar? It sounds really familiar to me. Nick Pearson in the chat says, Canucks fans briefly had the glory of watching the league rankings to see how close we could get to the number one pick. <laughs> that is I mean, true. that's an exciting race too, though, right? And then they, yeah. they blew that one too, right? So yeah, they, they just going up, you're going down. Mushy middle. Right They're mushy middling, as, as we all knew they would, because that's what this team is. But that's a great point, Justin. I actually, I remember doing the same thing, like looking at the box scores, looking at like the standings every day, and knowing every single thing that was happening with this team, whereas now it's like, they're, <laughs> I probably shouldn't admit this on my own show, but like, there are days where I have to look and be like, oh, show, what did they do last game? And like, who are they playing next? Because it's like, it is such a slog trying to watch this team and talk about storylines every day when it's just always miserable. And I was, no, go for it, Neil. I was just saying, I was talking to my friend today who's an Oakland Athletics fan, and it just like they got destroyed by the Tampa Bay Rays today, 11 nothing, and which is sort of like the norm for that team. And I'm just like, how do you do this? Like, you know, it's going to be like this all the time. And it's just sort of like, well, we hope that like prospects come through and then they like kind of like jolt the system a little bit. But it's like, yeah, but then they get traded or they get signed somewhere else for like bigger money or like. Like, are you just hoping for, like, new ownership at this point? And it's just sort of like, I guess that's sort of what you're looking for in Vancouver, ultimately, right? Because I don't know, from what I understand, like, the, the rumor I've heard is that, like, the the team is just doing what they're doing because, you know, Aquilini's trying to hold on so he can get his dad to see him them win a cup before he, I guess he's not doing great health-wise. So it's like... If you're going to keep on playing that game while he's still owning the team, isn't that just going to be kind of like the constant cycle here? Like, but do you know what the best way to do that actually was? Well, I just guess Connor like, Bedard would go along suffer with through, yeah. Suffer through everything we did through to, the worst part about the season is like we had to live through everything that happened through January and just like suffer through this absolutely brutal season. I saw people being like, this is the worst, darkest time to be a Canucks fan, including the Messier years. And you suffered through those months and you just couldn't where, commit to the last three of it. Where Sam, let's be honest, the off ice might have been even more depressing yes. and demoralizing than the on ice. Yes. And all of it was for nothing. That's the worst part, is like we had to live through all of this. 
had to do the whole Bruce Boudreaux rigmarole and like there is absolutely no payoff they are going to finish exactly like where they would have if they were okay to start the season yeah and it was just this game just stretched out right like the worst thing <laughs> and the longest time to do it yeah. for both teams bang on oh god <laughs> i just want to this is like a therapy session for all of us right now this this is all of my episodes if you yeah <laughs> there were there were a few where um we had a real good time. We didn't talk about the long-term tank. We just talked about... It was when Arash came on and he was, like, relentlessly positive. So much so that I was like, I don't know who you are. I don't even know what to do with you. <laughs> My apologies. I don't know how to do that. That's... <laughs> no, me neither. I, I mean, hey, one... I'll be positive about one thing. It looks like through uh, Horvat's exit, perhaps, Elias Pettersson and JT Miller have learned how to play with each other again and not be sulky little babies who refuse to be on the ice at the same time, despite having, like, the greatest chemistry on a line that the city has seen since the West Coast Express a couple seasons ago. And then they could just never play together at all for any reason for, like, years there. Hey, they are combining on these incredible shorthanded goals all the time and producing at a clip where... If JT Miller's contract is not moved off of at the draft, I mean, they probably should still do that if they do get the opportunity. If the rumors are true, if what Frank Valley was reporting, they could get multiple first-round picks and Jason Zucker for JT Miller, and then you just find another home for for Zucker. Like, that sounds improbable, but if that doesn't happen, uh, like, it's not the end of the world if JT Miller and Elias Pettersson can play together again, right? Like that's a very low bar to find a positive, but that is one thing that has been promising. That is a much more enticing thing to be excited about than look at these two college free agent defensemen who have points in games. If they can play together again, if Kuzmenko has the same type of season next year that he did this year, and if Demko is back to being Demko, then... I can at least kind of enjoy my life. Yeah. So long as I ignore OEL. <laughs> Never occurred to me that uh, JT Miller is like the Bertuzzi. Maybe maybe that's how you end this whole problem. Maybe he ends that's somebody's the, career. Assault someone on the ice. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty easy solution, right? <laughs> on oh, that note. Boy. On that note. Yeah. We can't just an option. I'm just, I'm just looking for options here. I'm, you know, I'm just trying to help. <laughs> just thinking outside the box here. Yeah. Um, if you're, if you're still here with us, thank you so much. Um, I'm sorry. Get... Especially, especially if you chose to come hang out with us instead of watching John Garrett on After Hours. What an absolute beauty you are to make that decision. We thank you so much. Yeah. Um. Also, have time. I have a quick question about that. Yeah. So I'm an outsider on the market, so I don't, I don't know. Right. Like we had John Garrett doing color commentary for us 15, 18 years ago. I thought he was great. Just talked about peanut butter all the time. Um, so he's going to keep on doing games nationally, but he's not doing games locally anymore. What is that? Am I getting that right? Is that? Yes. What's the, yes. Why, why is it just like a, because he's older now and retired and he just wants like a lighter schedule or is there. That seems strange to me. I think that's a very good question, Neil. And I think there are people who might suggest that um, 
he's not uh, doing that willingly. No. I don't, I don't know anything about it. I have, I'm like you, not an insider. But uh, I do think it's combined with like the level of buzz about whether or not he, he it's like he's getting older and wants a lighter workload or whether he was just pushed out, for lack of a better term. I do think it's an interesting twist that he's staying on for the national broadcasts. I didn't consider anything like that, anything untowards, but like now, now I can't think about anything else. That's uh, like, I feel like if you were going to retire, you'd just be like, peace out. Just flat out retire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like why would you do the national games? Yeah. That's, I mean, that feels, you know, it's a lighter schedule, but maybe even like more disruptive. Right. Cause if you're on the road, on a road trip, like at least, you know, all your next stops are fairly logical. Like if you're in Anaheim, you're probably going to LA next. And then, you know, maybe you go down to the Bay area or something, but like, that's all like two or three days kind of in like close proximity. Whereas like, if you're going to be in like Vancouver and then you have to go out to, like, to Toronto and then you come back for a few days, then you go out to Pittsburgh. I don't know wh- wherever, right? Like it seems uh, like a more difficult schedule is the disruption feels more pronounced that way. I don't know. Your guess is well, as good as mine. As an employee of Roger Sportsnet, all I can say is, hmm, interesting. Perhaps you should forward those queries to someone in uh, the PR department. So what I'm hearing uh, is that you're an employee of Rogers and there is an opening for the color commentary position next year. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. I'll throw my, my hat in the ring. Why not? I think you should do it. I've heard people say Kevin Bieksa and I would think, I feel As like someone he's that got that better be... things to do with his time. And, like, just, I would think, I... way too much money. So, <laughs> I think this is actually a pretty good solution because I know everyone in Vancouver loves him. And everyone outside of Vancouver does not. So, what? if you just localize him to Vancouver. Right. I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> Search your heart. Search I didn't expect heart. that to take that twist. I was not prepared for Juice Slender. Yeah, I, fe- I felt like we all agree he's been a huge improvement to the Hockey Night in Canada panel. Well, I guess you'd have to be a regular watcher of the panel to have a huge... Th- <laughs> My whole thoughts on the intermission panel is they should show cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it basically is. <laughs> I Yeah, I just... I want to be given... The, the reins to like a hockey broadcast because uh, I, I would do some wildly different things and that would be like my first first one. I, I, I do want to note something serious about uh, John Garrett and the, the Cheech tribute that played during the first commercial break uh, of the of the broadcast uh, when they went to a break and it wound up being a fake break and we all got to see the tribute video uh, that went up on screen and the wonderful emotional moments uh, of, of Cheech, you know, up in the booth looking down and waving at all the people afterwards. I, uh, being the true Calgary media man that I am, watched the game on the Calgary broadcast tonight, and we also got to see that. So anybody watching that game did not get commercials in the first commercial break, which I have to imagine cost somebody money. Like, the Canucks possibly bought the ad break for the broadcast right across the country and whoever is responsible for that that is an extremely classy move that we all got to see that i'm very grateful to have seen that uh thank you so much that was that was the highlight of the entire game broadcast this evening so tip it was nice too it uh it's 
I feel like it's rare to have like a media personality like that where everyone is just sort of like he's like beloved, right? Like yeah. especially for that long. I I cannot relate to that at all. We haven't had that in Calgary. <laughs> and I, we've had I feel done. like the Canucks are lucky. They've had like back to back, like going from Larshide to to John Garrett. Like it's been a couple of really beloved color commentators. Yeah, I you know, never saw Larshide obviously, but like John Garrett's kind of a legend at this point, just because, you know, I think the thing that he's that that's great about him is he doesn't really like. It's not the it's not the game that he's calling that's the important stuff, right? It's you know it's all the the little things, and like when he gets bored and or when they both get bored, him and Shorty, they just want to talk about. That's you know, the best. Or, yeah, I, exactly. Right? I really do truly believe that that group, and that's John Garrett, John Shorthouse. Uh, Dan Murphy and their producer Greg Shannon is the best regional broadcast in the entire NHL. Yeah, and um, you know it's not like Cheech is is passing away or that he's not even going to still still be doing broadcasts even. Uh, but it is a sad day yeah. to see that quartet kind of uh, do it for the last time. I think because that we've really been treated to something special. It's not every broadcast that has the same sort of uh tangible love and camaraderie between the members uh of the booth as it were like we really we really get to enjoy something really special here and it is extremely sad i think that it's going to be ending before the end of the week i agree well said um on that note thank you both for joining us thank you to everyone who's still in the chat the chat is like really really going tonight um you guys are ha- look like you're having a great time uh, Canucks win their last home game of the season, 3-2 in a shootout, probably spoiling the Flames' very last chances at a playoff spot. Uh, Canucks fans having fights on Twitter about Bo Horvat. It's all great. It's all happening. And the Canucks play the LA Kings next on Monday. Um, yeah. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye. Bye.